Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. It's time to get into the Word. If you would, grab your Bibles, please. Turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 1. 2 Peter, chapter 1. I am going to try again to end this series. This is my second attempt at ending this series. So um, I may or I I don't know at this point if I even believe myself. I think this is the end. We shall see. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power. Please notice that. It's very important, those two words in the middle. His divine power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Listen, that's a one-sentence message all in itself. We could close the book and go home and know exactly what God's trying to say to us today. God's given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you or empower you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Lord, we just say thank you one more time for everything that you've done for us, and we're grateful to be able to spend time in your word. Lord, we don't take for granted the the access that we have to your word because we recognize that probably more than half of our brothers and sisters around the world don't have the kind of access to your word that we have. Lord, help us to never take that for granted. And I pray that we spend the time today uh, open and honest, listening to the truth of your word and aligning our lives and our beliefs and our faith to your truth and not the other way around. Give us the courage that we need to, uh, to live out this word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you listen to, to anyone at the state or local levels of government, um, th- those individuals will very soon gripe about what's called unfunded mandates. You ever heard this word tossed around? Unfunded mandates. It's things that the higher levels of government require them to do, but they do not provide the funds or the other resources to carry those things out. In other words, they tell them they have to do it, but they don't give them what they need to get it done. I am happy to report to you today that God is not like the government. Listen to, listen to you government lovers today, yes. I, God is not like the government. But I think there are a lot of people who uh, read the New Testament expectations of Jesus and they get that impression they get the impression that, that God has placed upon us the burden of life change, and then he just steps back and watches us fail and fumble our way through the rest of our lives. That's simply not how God operates. 
while I hope this I can't series has helped us to see that it's a healthy thing to get to that declaration that I can't, uh, that I can't save myself, I can't change myself, I can't meet God's expectations by myself, I hope that it's also shown us that though we can't do it on our own, that his expectations are unchanging, but he has not given us any unfunded spiritual mandates. The scripture that we just read says it very clearly. He has given us everything we need to live a godly life. He doesn't just expect us to do it. He's empowered us to do it. And that through his great and precious promises, we can share in his nature. We don't have to be victims of our own nature. We can share in his nature. And by those promises and by that power, we can escape the lusts of our, and the desires of our own sinful nature. It's another way of saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Right, So we have to learn to put off the old way and put, put on Christ, put on his way of life. That's what we started talking about last week, and so today is the conclusion of that message, a part two, if you will, of putting on Christ. Now, we saw through the scriptures last week that putting on Christ is like taking off old, nasty, sweaty, dirty clothes and putting on your clean and sparkling brand new clothes. And the word likens it to shining armor, which is described in detail in Ephesians chapter 6. Now this armor is one of the great and precious promises that God has provided to us that empowers us to be like Christ. So let's look back at at the armor in Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at it all together, and then we will start uh, taking each one and looking at how to put it on. Because, listen, it's not enough for you to know what the pieces are if you don't know how to put them on. And if you don't know how to use them once you put them on. So this is is kind of where the rubber meets the road in uh, becoming like Christ and putting off the old way and putting on Christ. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word, the Apostle Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Do you see this recurring theme that we're seeing? It's his power. Verse 11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies, the plans of the devil against you. Why? Because we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We have no human enemies. We fight against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, so the conclusion of that spiritual reality is, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your ground, Paul says. How do we do that? Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop all the fiery darts or arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. 
and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, we read this last week, and we started. We only got to one piece of armor. I'm going to do my best to finish all the rest of the pieces today. And I told you that when, when I do this personally, uh, it helps my little OCD brain to start at the top and work my way down. So we started with the helmet of salvation last week. It's vital that we learn to have the mind of Christ. It's vital to submit our minds and our way of thinking to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because every action we take, every attitude we hold, begins with a thought. And that starts in your mind. Now, once we get our minds covered with salvation, like a helmet, then we can keep going. So the next, the next piece of armor as we move from top to bottom is the breastplate, or this translation calls it the body armor of God's righteousness. Now, the, the predominant military power of the day in the time and the location where the, the Bible was written uh, was the Roman army. The Roman breastplate was in two pieces. It, there was a front piece and there was a back piece. And we'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. Now, Romans 13 and 12, which we read last week, says that uh, this is the shining armor of right living. That's, that's what this is called. Righteousness, what, what does a breastplate do? It, it protects the vital organs, right? Your heart, your lungs, and, and, and all the other vital organs that are right here in your torso. The righteousness, according to the Word, is that for your spiritual life. It protects your spiritually vital organs. The book of Proverbs talks constantly about how important righteousness is, how it exalts a nation, how it protects an individual. But when we start talking about right living, we start talking about doing the right thing, making the right choices, we start to feel like this is one of those unfunded mandates that God has for us. Like he expects us to do these things, but we realize real quickly that making the right decision and doing the right thing is kind of the whole problem, that we can't do that on our own, that we never could do that. It's, it's not that we don't know what's right most of the time. It's just that so often we lack the power in that moment to choose what's right and follow through with it. We, we get caught up in our old nature. We get caught up in the habits of our old ways and we do the wrong thing knowing full well what the right thing was. That's when we have to remind ourselves that God never gives us unfunded mandates. He gives us the power to choose. That's why we have to put on the body armor of, of what does it say? The body armor of God's righteousness. You're like, wait, what? It, it, it's his, his righteousness? He, you mean he's not expecting us to defend ourselves with, our, with the, our own good things that we've done? No, he's not. I told you last week, this is about uh, him. The armor is not about us. It's always about him. Just like he doesn't expect our minds to uh, lead us to becoming like Christ, neither does he expect that we're going to naturally gravitate towards righteousness on our own. That's why this verse in 2 Corinthians is such good news. Let's read it together in, in chapter 5, verse 20, 21. For God made Christ who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. Some translations say he made Christ who never sinned to become sin 
for us so that we could be made right. We could become the righteousness of God through Christ. That is an incredible, that is an incredibly mind-blowing verse of Scripture right there. When God looks at us, He's not seeing our righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Christ, the holy and sinless and perfect one. We've been justified by our faith in Christ Jesus. We've been made right, though we weren't right. We've been made right through our faith in Christ Jesus. You say, that's great. That means it doesn't matter if we sin. That's not what it means. And Romans chapter 6 answers that really quickly. He, Paul says, God forbid that you think that. That's not how this worked. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sin when he shed his blood to make us right with God and to make, give us his righteousness. Why in the world would we disrespect that by continuing to live our lives as if we had never met him? So what do we do then? We put on Christ. We put it on. We put on salvation like a helmet so we can start thinking like Christ. And then we put on the body armor of Christ's righteousness to protect our vital organs, to protect the heartbeat of our relationship with God. So you might put this piece on like this. And and listen, again, let me remind you, this is not a spell. It's not an incantation. These are not magic words. I am giving you an example so that you understand what it is we're trying to accomplish, but you and the Holy Spirit need to work this out between yourselves, okay? So don't think if you didn't get this, that, that did you're, you missed a word, then it's not going to work. That's not how God works, all right? So you might say something like, Lord, I declare I can't do this. I can't be righteous on my own. I can't behave. I can't be good. But you are good. And you are right. And you are perfect. And you are sinless. So Lord, today I put on your righteousness and put off mine. I pray that you protect me and protect my heart. That you protect my lungs so that I can breathe in your spirit who gives me life. Protect the organs that filter out the impurities from my spiritual life. God, I pray that my unrighteousness falls away and that I learn to walk like you walk. Help me make the right choices and take the right actions. And, and when people see me, let them see the good things that you caused me to do and give you the glory. Because there's no goodness in, in me. It all comes from you and the glory belongs to you. Right? It's his righteousness. You can declare, I am the righteousness of God through Christ. I am holy because God is holy and he's made me holy and is making me holy. I'm conforming to the image of Christ. Uh, He who started a good work in me is going to finish it as long as I'm surrendering my will to his. And that is good news. It's good news. Now, you notice I, I pointed out that the breastplate or the, or the body armor comes in two pieces. There's one for the front, uh, which we always talk about and think about, but it covers the back as well. Um, I don't want to get too personal, but uh, y'all ever been stabbed in the back? Maybe I should rephrase that. Has anybody not been stabbed in the back by somebody, right? Accused of something you didn't do. Um, had your character or your integrity called into question. 
Um, if that's the case, I have good news for you. First Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to, to do good? Right? This, this is the kind of thing we tell our kids, right? If you just behave, you ain't got to worry about that mean old principle, right? No. So, uh, verse 14. But even if you do suffer for doing what's right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. That's one outcome. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way, the way all of us Christians do on social media. Keep your conscience clear. And then if people speak against you, here's another outcome. If people do speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, here's another outcome. It's better to suffer for doing good, if that's what God wants, than to suffer for doing the wrong thing. Listen, when you're covered with the breastplate of righteousness, um, you don't have to worry about getting stabbed in the back. It's not that it might not happen. It's just that either the righteousness of Christ that people see is going to make them ashamed that they ever brought it up in the first place. Or people just won't believe it because the life that you live proves otherwise. Or you will get stabbed in the back. People will believe it. But God is going to reward you for the trouble that you go through. You know what? Either way, no matter what the outcome, we win. We win. And here's the thing. You don't have to spend your time defending yourself when you are covered with Christ. Because in that case, they're not attacking you. They're attacking him. And I promise you, he is more than able to defend himself and you. So that's the the breastplate of the body armor of of God's righteousness. Now let's move down to the shoes. I'll be real honest. This is the one that kind of confused me. I was uh, not quite as excited about putting on the shoes, I didn't really get it. When you grow up, as most of us did, where shoes are just a given, you, you don't understand what it's like to walk without them. And the people uh, of, of Paul's day, when he's writing this, knew full well what it was like to walk without shoes. And they know the consequences of that. There were entire armies in, in those days that were barefoot. And one of the major uh, strategic or, I guess, tactical advantages of the Roman army was that they all had shoes. And that was a big deal. There was a type of boot uh, that didn't just cover your foot. It actually came up your leg, and it depended on your rank and your wealth as to how far up and how, uh, like, how bougie it was. All right? Y'all know... Y'all down with that? Y'all, y'all picking up what I'm putting down? All right. So it was decorated. It was all pre- kinds of pretty if you had the money to make them pretty. So one way or the other, the higher it came, the, the better it protected your feet and your legs. Here's what I did not re- recognize until uh, researching for this message. There were spikes on the bottom of those, uh, of those shoes as well. There were little metal spikes that helped them to maintain their grip. Now, I, I can honestly say, maybe this, I hope this is not too honest for you, but there are times that I just get tired of walking. All right? I'm not talking about physically because that happens too. I get tired of walking spiritually. You know, this, is, um, this spiritual walk with Christ is, is not a sprint. It's a marathon. 
You know, Jordan preached about that just a couple months ago. It's a marathon. It is, it, it is an endurance race. And there are, are just times when I just get tired. The road, Jesus told us from the beginning, the road's not going to be smooth. There is a wide way, a smooth way, but that's not his way. He said, my road is, is narrow. Um, and, and it's rough sometimes. So there are even times where I feel like I, I'm sort of slipping off the path that God has for me. That I'm trying to keep moving, but, but I'm just not getting any spiritual traction. Y'all ever been there? Where you are just working your little tail off and you're just not getting anywhere. That's the beauty of this piece of armor that I've discovered. It, it, you're not standing in your own strength. He's, he's helping you. He's protecting you. He's providing the grip that you need to keep standing. And listen, don't let anybody shame you. Sometimes just standing is winning. Just the fact that you're still standing there, that when the battle gets intense and the enemy's coming against you and he's trying to take you out to get to the end of the day, to get to the end of the battle and you haven't lost any ground, that you're still on your feet, that you're still facing in the right direction, still in the fight, man, that's a win every day. And don't let anybody tell you it's not. Just, just getting up, just showing up is half the battle. We, gotta, we have to stay on our feet, and we have to keep moving forward as, as, as much as we can. These shoes prepare us to go out and to accomplish the objective, right? Which is to go into a lost and dying world and spread the, love, the message of Christ's love to people who need to hear it the most. So you can put on this armor every day, maybe saying something like this, Father, today I need your strength to walk the road that's laid out before me. Because I don't know what's coming. I don't know what I'm going to face. Help me to see the lost and the hurting people that are on my path. And give me the strength that I need to share you with them. Because in my own power, I can't do that. But with you, with the shoes that you've provided, I don't have to back down. I don't have to lose my grip. I I don't have to get weary and well-doing. I can keep walking. I can keep moving forward. I can keep following you. And if the battle gets hard and I have to stop and fight, I know that with your strength that at the end of the day, I'll still be standing. See, the promise of Christ is not that when you put on the armor that suddenly the battle's going to go away. Wouldn't that be dumb? Why in the world would you put on the armor if he's just going to make the, the battle go away? It's not that, it, that your life is going to get easier when you put on the armor. It, it's the promise that the armor is going to give you the strength that you need to face whatever is down the road. Y'all ain't near as excited about that as I was hoping you'd be. I know we wish our problems would evaporate. But ain't y'all lived long enough to know that the road is still rough? So the promise is, I'm still with you. I'm still giving you these great and precious promises. And if you'll just use them, then I'll be there to give you whatever you need to face whatever's coming. And that is a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Now, um, we went from top to bottom. Let's go back to the middle. Uh, the Roman soldier's belt so we talk, let's talk about the belt of truth. The Roman soldier's belt held the breastplate in place uh, because you need that thing to stay in place. Um, and, and, and the other def- it kept the breastplate and other defensive armor 
uh, where it's supposed to be. It also provided a place for you to, to sheathe the sword, uh, the, the only offensive pieces that you might have. Now listen, I know from personal experience that nothing fits right without the right belt. Can any brother say amen to that? Any belt buckle wearing brothers can say amen there, brother. Right. If, if the belt's not right, nothing's right. Right? You, you don't want to go face the enemy who has devised a specific strategy against you. You don't want to go face that enemy distracted and uncomfortable. We, we have, uh, we've got to learn to secure every piece of this armor with the belt of truth. Now, this is not the worldly truth. This is not you hear all these people saying, I'm going to speak my truth. It ain't your truth that's going to help you in the time of the battle. This is not a personal truth. This is the truth of God's word. And as a matter of fact, it is Jesus Christ himself. He is the truth. And he wants to sit at the center of your life. We just sang it, didn't we? Jesus at the center of it all. He wants to be at the center of everything we do and tie everything together. His truth has got to be above every other fact, every other opinion. His truth has got to define reality for you. It's about allowing his spiritual truth to supersede every other uh, carnal circumstance that might be going on in our lives. This belt of truth is, a, is our commitment to integrity. It's our commitment to righteousness. It's our commitment to the Word of God. It's our commitment to the reality of Jesus in our lives. Not to the idea of Jesus, to the reality of Jesus. It secures the armor. It, that when the battle starts, because can, you can see it coming sometimes, can't you? You're like, oh Lord, here we go. You, well, you've you got to tighten your belt. You tighten your commitment to the truth and you face it with courage knowing that he's with you. You put this on every day reminding yourself that he is the rock upon which you build your life. So you might say something like, Father, today I put on the belt of truth. Lord, help me to see everything through the filter of your word. That, that the, the spiritual warfare is real, but the weapons of our warfare are also real, and they're effective, and they're all I need. So, Lord, help me to walk in integrity today, not allowing my head to get turned to the left or to the right, but fixing my eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. So that's the, that's the belt of truth. That's all the wearable stuff. We've got two more pieces that we have to pick up. And here's the first one. It is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Um, this, this alluded to uh, the Roman soldiers, the large shields that the Roman soldiers carried. Uh, they were, they were, I'm going to show it to you in just a second because they're not just like the little dinky uh, round shields. These were much larger. They were made of wood and they were covered in leather. And the leather helped to hold the shield together uh, to keep it from falling apart under the abuse of battle. But the leather was also, could also be um, soaked in water. So they dip it in water, make sure the leather was good and tight and make sure it was, it was drenched in water because that had a quenching effect on the fiery arrows of the enemy archers. Now that water is a reference to both the Word of God and the Spirit of God because the Word, the, word, the Bible says the Word is like the washing of water. And, and it also says that when we are filled with the Spirit that out of our bellies will flow what? Rivers of living water. So that's a reference to both the Word and the Spirit. So I want to show you what the shield looked like, though. 
they're, they're tall and, and round that you could sort of wiggle your way in behind that thing. And I think the concept of the shield is pretty clear, right? It, it hides you. It's your first line of defense um, against the enemy's attacks. That's what our faith is. Our faith is our first line of defense because this is a spiritual war. Faith is all we've got. I know that sometimes we see the person through whom the enemy might be operating, but it will not do you any good to choke the life out of the person who is irritating you in that moment. It might feel good, but you should not do that. Would y'all please laugh so I know you're not plotting homicide against anyone? So you, you can't do that. We can't see our enemy. We have to trust that if we put our faith totally in Christ and do what he says, that he's going to take care of us all the way to the end. You see, the trained soldier learned how to fight with one hand and protect himself with the other hand. Or if the battle got too intense, as it does sometimes, he could take refuge behind that shield until the opportunity arose to push forward. So you can trust that your faith will get you through whatever the enemy has planned for you. But you do have to pick it up. you got to pick up the shield of faith. You have to use it, just like all the other pieces. So, so you might say, Lord, I believe that I have the mind of Christ. I believe that I have the righteousness of Christ. I believe that I'm standing on the path that Christ laid out for me, following him prepared to follow that path uh, to, to help rescue others. I believe that I am secured by the truth of the word. And now, Lord, I lift up the shield of faith. Lord, I believe that, I am, uh, that, that, that this faith will protect me because it was bought and paid for and provided by the very blood of Jesus. That it will repel and quench every blow and every cut, every dart, and every arrow that, is, that threatens to burn down my faith. And I won't be intimidated by the attacks of the enemy because I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him. He will sustain me until he's finished with me. That I have the faith that he'll bring me victory on the battlefield, that he will bring me victory ultimately in this life until he takes me home to live in eternal victory. One way or the other, we win. Now the reality is, there have been times in my life when I was just beat down and I didn't have the strength to lift up my own shield. Anybody else ever been there? Sometimes life just gets difficult and you just, even with a shield, you're just tired of getting hit every time. So what do you do when that happens? Now listen, this is really important. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Uh, don't forget, you were never intended to fight alone. Never. You were never supposed to be on that battlefield by yourself. Why? Because following Jesus is an individual decision. But it's a community activity. You do have to decide for yourself whether or not you're going to follow Jesus. But when you do, you're joining a family. Or maybe in this context, you're joining an army of people with whom you get to do life. That's why the church is so important. 
You have to be connected to a local body of people that you can get in relationship with. Why? Because when you drop your shield and you fall behind, I'm going to show you what can happen when you're in a healthy group of believers. Now hold on just a second because I know we've got people watching online today. And I want you to hear this. You can, I am perfectly fine with you engaging with this church or any other church online. That's a wonderful tool that the Lord has provided for us. What you should never do is watch church online. Is anybody following me? Because it's not a spectator sport. It's not okay for you just to watch a message and then go on and and do your business. You, You need to engage with that church online. There are ways to get in touch with us. There are ways. I, I pray for today was the second time that there was a young lady here. Uh, she was here for the first time on Easter. She works on Sundays. She can't get here. Today she was off and she was able to come today for the second time. But she has engaged with our church every week since Easter. She has texted me. She has contacted me, messaged me because I am her pastor. I've only seen her twice. But I'm her pastor because she's engaged with our church. She's engaged in the fellowship. We, we are praying for her and covering her because this is her church. That's not the same as watching church. You engage with the church however it is that God's provided for you to do that. Now, let me show you why it's important for you to do that. Let me, look, at, look at this. This is, uh, this is called the tortoise formation. The Romans used to do this. Uh, this is a reenactment of that. Um, they call it the tortoise formation for obvious reasons. It allowed them to move forward as a unit. And if, you're, if you can't see that, it's, it, all you can see is shields, right? Shields in front, shields on top. They, they moved together as a unit. And, at, and, and when they moved like this, they were fully protected from the enemy's projectiles. Now, I, I don't have confirmation of this yet. I didn't have time to, to drill down in the minutia of uh, Roman army uh, maneuvers. But I can just imagine that if a fellow soldier lost their own shield, then this formation would allow them to protect that person until that person could get back up and reclaim their shield. Or it would allow them to take that person to safety. Here's the takeaway for this. God help us to be the kind of church who doesn't abandon their own on the battlefield. Right? Help us to be the kind of church who doesn't point fingers, doesn't judge, doesn't berate, doesn't belittle, doesn't accuse, doesn't fold our arms and say, I told you so. So they just come alongside of a wounded or worn out brother or sister and offer our shield as a, as a protection for them until they get their strength back. That we watch over them, that we encourage them until they're strong. And God help us to understand the impact that we could make, the ground that we could cover for the kingdom if we had a whole church full of people who were willing to provide cover for whosoever will. That we could say as a church, just come on in and let us show you how to put your armor on. Just come on in and let us show you how to fight. Come on in and let us show you how to have faith. 
and we'll watch over you and we'll protect you until you can fight on your own. You can lock arms beside us, lock shields beside us, and you can protect those who are coming behind you. So let it be. Lord, let covenant life be one cohesive unit, full of faith and full of fight and full of love. That's the, this is the, the last piece of armor uh, that we're going to talk about today. And it's the only offensive piece of the armor. It's the only weapon that we have. And it's the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. This passage makes it very clear. It states clearly that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. The only way to push back against the enemy of our souls is the Spirit-led use of the Word of God. Why? Because the enemy's kingdom and his strategy is always based on lies. Isn't that what Jesus said? That the enemy is a liar and the father of liars. Uh, you, you know he's lying when his lips are moving. Right? So uh, uh, he always tries to pervert God's truth, pervert, pervert God's character. Only the truth, only the truth can, uh, can cut through those lies. The Bible says, I believe it's in Hebrews, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. That it divides even bone from marrow. It can divide a person's actions from their attitudes and their motivations. It's that sharp. So we can use the scriptures to engage in the battle. Now, this one you don't have to put on as much as you just have to pick it up. You got to pick it up you got to speak it. Now, I am fairly certain that it won't do one bit of good for you to wag your Bible around and just wave it. That, that's not how that works. You can wave it like a sword if you want to. Not going to change anything. You, you, you have to speak these scriptures. You have to speak them. I actually speak them out loud. Not like at Walmart or anything. Not like to the top of my voice. Because uh, then the little people in the padded trucks come. And, and take you to your new home. Uh, but you, the good news is the enemy uh, has really good ears. That when the word of God gets spoken, no matter how loud, he hears it and he has to obey because it's the word of God. So you, you have to speak this out loud. Um, when the enemy starts to fill my head with um, foolishness and lies, um, I've learned to speak the word. When the panic starts to set in. You know, do y'all have problems that don't line up and take a number? Do y'all have problems that start dogpiling you? When, and, and it's real tempting to just, the panic starts to, you start to freak out. Or when the weariness starts to develop. And you're like, if I had to deal with one more thing, right? You just wore out. I've learned to speak the word of God out loud. Why? Because faith comes by what? hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is nothing that will build your faith as much as hearing his word with your voice. If you can hear yourself speaking the word of God, it changes things like nothing else. It was the word of God spoken at the beginning of creation from which everything was created. So if I need some peace, I speak it. If I need some light in the darkness that's, that's threatening to suffocate me, 
I speak it. If I need some energy and some strength, and when my strength and my energy is fading, I speak it. You're like, John, are you creating stuff with your words? No, I'm coming into agreement with what has already been created for me. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not my word. My word has no authority. It has no impact. It's his word. And when we start to speak his truth into the enemy's lies, when we start start to speak light into darkness, we start to speak strength into weariness, love into hate, forgiveness into offense, peace into conflict, acceptance into rejection, forgetfulness into our history, then we start to see the battles turn into victories. We start to see prodigals return to the Father's house. We start to see the lost get found. That's when we see our lives begin to look like Jesus. That's when we have put off our old nature and we have put on Christ. That's when our I can't turns into I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And that's what leads to victory in our lives. Y'all stand with me, please. We didn't have time to go to verse 18. It says praying in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. There's no way for you to walk in victory without uh, prayer. You have to pray. It's how you put on the armor. It's how you surrender yourself to the, to the power of the Holy Spirit to operate through you. That, that there, there's no other substitute. We have to learn to talk to the Lord. Today, I want you to, uh, to begin to do that. You can do it from your seat. You can do it from uh, in the altar. Um, and maybe the Lord is drawing you to start today, maybe for the first time in your life, putting on the armor of God to begin to understand how much it is you need the armor of God. Maybe there's a situation in your life uh, about which you need to to pray, to lay it on the altar. Whatever it is, whatever God's leading you, drawing you to pray about, I want you to know that this altar is always open. So you come and you lay that thing before the Lord. Whether or not you come to the altar, let's take the next few minutes as Bree sings, let's take the next few minutes and listen. Listen to what it is the Holy Spirit wants to say to us as He shows us the areas of our lives that we need to surrender the most. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You love us and You've provided a way for us to have uh, not only Your expectations and Your high standards, but You've given us the power to achieve it as we surrender our lives to You. Lord, less of us and more of You. That's what we need. And I pray, that God, today that you would speak to us about specifically what it is in our lives um, that, that we need to put under the blood, the, the, the areas of our lives that we most need to surrender. I pray, God, today that you would help us to put on the armor, not just on Sunday, but on every day of the week. And, Lord, if there's a need, if there's a, a financial need, if there's a relationship issue, a health problem, whatever is going on in the lives of the people that you've brought to this place today or that you've brought online today, I pray, God, that you would help us to come and and lay it down at your feet. Because we know that if you draw us, then you promise to meet us here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.